Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to the book of Habakkuk. If you're new with us, it is in the Bible, I promise. Go to your table of contents. It is the fifth from the end of the Old Testament. You can go to Matthew and take a left and go five back, and you will find Habakkuk. This is our fifth week, I believe, in the series. And so what we're going to do, we're going to spend two more weeks here. We'll spend uh, today and next week, we'll finish the series next week in the end of chapter three, and then we'll transition uh, into Christmas. And I pray that you see, it's a cool thing that I believe the Lord is doing, of allowing us to kind of see the work that he's doing 600 years before the birth of Christ. And to kind of see the timeline of what's happening, and especially today, to see the prayer of Habakkuk. Chapter three is the prayer of Habakkuk, specifically verse two. There are some things that he prays for that I want you to see the thread that God answers his prayer ultimately in Christ. It's an awesome thing. And so we'll go two weeks, uh, in, uh, two weeks from now, we'll go into Christmas. We'll spend three weeks into Christmas. And we're going to kind of, again, kind of look at a bigger picture of Christmas. The first week, we'll go to John 1.14 and kind of talk the eternal view of Christmas. Then we'll go to Isaiah 7.14. So we'll back up even 100 years earlier than Habakkuk, about 700 years before Jesus. And then finally, we'll come uh, to Matthew. We'll do the birth narratives of Matthew, I think, chapter 1, 18 through 25, that final week. Tonight, our Thanksgiving service, uh, this is a celebration. We have 23 people getting baptized tonight at our service. And so praise God for that. It's an awesome thing. And then we will gather around the Lord's table. And so that's really what tonight is going to be. It's going to be a celebration, uh, really, of the ordinances of, of God and uh, to watch what God's doing the work of his people. Take your Bibles, if you would. Go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. Let's do a quick catch-up. If you're new with us, it's only three chapters, I think 57 verses uh, but, but the thing that has stirred me more than anything else through this book has been the way it matches up, again, 2,600 years ago. And to see even in my own life the things that Habakkuk is struggling with, my prayer is that God would move me like Habakkuk. What I want you to see this morning is the transition of this man, of where he was at in chapter 1, because we can identify in chapter 1 as he's crying out, God, are you even there? I got to be careful. I'm going to fall in this pool if I get too close. <laughs> That thought was like, that would, not, that would not be good, and it would end up as a, what's it called, a gif, a meme, a meme is a set picture, right? A gif is when you, it's all fire. Let's keep going. All right, here we go. I sound so weird saying that stuff. In the office, I'll just throw out words, and our younger people will look at me like, you're such a nerd. All right, Habakkuk chapter one. Quick catch up, right? Here's this guy, man of God. God is getting ready to judge his people. He cries out in verse two, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Man, what a prayer. How long shall there be violence and you not intervene? We know the struggle of Habakkuk is how can God still be who he is, holy, just, righteous, perfect, timing, making no mistakes, and yet all this chaos. How can that be? That's us. I don't know about you. That's us. You see the promises of God. You see the word of God. You know what it says, but then when you try to reconcile, you try to match the two between the struggles and the pain and the chaos of your life, can you trust in those moments, in those middle moments? We know the beginning. We know the end. We're in those middle moments. Can we trust the Lord as we walk through this? And we see this transition of this man. He says the law is powerless. Justice does not go forth. You go to verse 5. God intervenes, and God responds, and he gives an answer to Habakkuk that he was not expecting. He said, you are going to be utterly astounded, verse six or verse five. He says, I'm raising up in verse six the Chaldeans. I'm bringing in the Babylonians. I'm bringing in a pagan wicked nation to come and judge my people. It would be similar to God telling us, I am bringing in ISIS to wipe out America as judgment for sin. 
It's the context of what's happening here. So here's this prophet of God going, whoa, 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 wait, 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 God. There's still some good people here. Me, myself, I'm speaking to you, right? Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however he pronounces his name, right? There's still good people trying to serve you. You're going to judge us with a more wicked nation? And so you see this transition of this man, right? He goes to chapter 2 and verse 1, and he says, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm not going to move until God answers. I think one of the things you see with Habakkuk more than anything else is a man who runs to God. I've been challenged in this through this series. Because I don't always do that, right? When you come to that place of crisis and you come to that place of trust, what you find in Habakkuk is he's always going to God. Now, many times he's going to God complaining, going to God reminding God who he is, but notice where he goes. It's not always our go-to move. That's not always my go-to move. You come to this place, God, you're not, you're not, you're not here yet, God. Your, your timing's not. Okay, fine, I'm, I'm stepping out. And then what happens? We walk a path, obviously, that can be very painful. You come to chapter two, he pronounces woes, all right? So Habakkuk says, how can you use this nation and not judge them? God says, I will judge them. I'm a God of promises, of blessings. I'm a God of promises of judgment. We looked at this last week, five, five woes. He pronounces woe for illegal gain, woe for hurting others for personal gain, woe for boasting and self-glory, woe for perversion and drunkenness, and woe for idolatry. And now we come to chapter three and we see the transition of this man. Take your Bibles, if you would, and stand as we read the book of Habakkuk. We stand in reverence of reading God's word. That's the reason that we stand when we read these passages. It's a beautiful prayer that was put to music, and you'll see that in verse one, where it says, Shigonoth, Shigonoth, I've tried to pronounce that a hundred times. How do you say it? There you go. She said it, that thing, right? So that is a, that's a musical term is what it is. It means to, you know, to, 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 to sing it in a lament form, like it's the prayer of Habakkuk. So I thought it was like a mountain. I was looking for Shigenoth Mountain. I was like, man, that's, he's proclaiming. No, it's just a term for music. All right, here we go. Verse 2 is what I want you to focus on. Here's the prayer. Oh, Lord, I have heard. Hear that word right there. I have heard. It's not audible. What it means is I have heard with my heart. I have heard your speech, a better translation would be your report, and I was afraid. Look at his prayer. From the man in chapter 1 who was saying, are you even there, to this man. He says, oh Lord, I've heard your speech and I was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. He's praying for revival, not for removal. He's praying for revival. In the midst of your years, make it known, and notice this last part, in wrath, remember what? What do we need? Remember so thankful we serve a God of mercy, amen? And you're going to see, I hope, I pray this morning, the connection to the abundant mercy as Peter describes it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is all a thread connecting Jesus. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that is living, that is powerful, that is active, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Lord, we pray this morning, we pray this, that you would get into the cracks and corners of our hearts, that you would make us uncomfortable You would reveal the things in our lives, Lord, that do not need to be there. And Lord, you would give us the strength to trust in the places of questions and doubt. Lord, may we turn to you as a child running to their father, not away, pouting, complaining, but in your arms in this waiting time. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for those who are in that place. May you encourage hearts, may you convict hearts, may you change hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray it, we ask it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles. We're going to go somewhere else now. Let's go to Luke 1. Let's have some Christmas fun here. Let's go to Luke 1. 
One of my favorite stories of the Christmas story is Zacharias. You remember Zacharias and Elizabeth? You remember that story? They're the parents of who? Y'all, come on, y'all my most spiritual group here. Let's do this now. Eight o'clock, they failed, so let's see y'all do it. They're the parents of who? John the Baptist, right? So the angel appears to Zacharias and says, you're going to have a baby. You remember Zacharias' response? Uh, that can't happen because I am an old man, and you, this is a man who's been married for many years, and my wife is advanced in age, is how he describes her. That's a wise man right there. That man's been married for many years. And so he looks at her, I'm an old man. She's advanced in age. I'm an old man. How can that be? And the angel looks upon him and says, do not, I'm an angel, dude. Do you not see that I'm an angel sent by God? Now you're questioning that. You're going to have a baby and you're going to be mute. Remember that story? He shuts his mouth. He can't talk. Dude is mute. For the whole pregnancy, he's mute. And so they come to the eighth day for the circumcision of John the Baptist, if you remember, and they're discussing his name, right? And Elizabeth says it needs to be John. And they're like, well, there's no John in our family. Why are we going to name him John? They look to Zacharias, and he's like, he writes on a tablet is what I picture. I don't know. He's like, John, make it John. Like, I want to speak again. And so they name him John, and God removes, right? He was able to speak again. And he gives a prophecy. Look at this, Luke 1. Look at this, Luke 1. Let's read the prophecy of Zacharias on John the Baptist. This is the forerunner. This is the one who would go before Jesus, right? Prophecies of the old that this is the child who would pave the way for the Messiah. And look at what he says here in Luke 1 as he describes John the Baptist. Let me find it. Where's Luke? Is that New Testament? I'm just joking. Good gracious, Luke 1. If I don't know Luke 1, get me off this stage. All right, here we go. Luke 1. Where are we at? 67. Look at what he says here. I love this. Now, his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, this dude's ready to speak. He's been quiet for nine months. He is ready to speak, and he speaks. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by mouth of his holy prophets, watch this, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. You ready? Verse 72, put a star beside it and write Habakkuk 3, 2. Look at what he says. To perform what? The mercy promised to our fathers. What was promised to Habakkuk? Mercy. Here is Habakkuk praying, God, okay, I recognize your report has come. There's nothing I can do to change it, okay? You're sovereign. You're perfect. I don't understand it, but I trust but this is what I pray, God, in the midst of this. Not deliver us from evil. You see a heart that is mature, a heart that God has taken deep. He doesn't say Rem remove us from this destruction. He says revive us in the midst of this destruction. That's a different prayer. That's a different prayer. When you come to the Lord and you've got that pain and that suffering, again, my go-to move is, Lord, take this. Remove this. Get this out of the way because if you do, then I can really walk with you. Man, then I can really grow in my walk with the Lord. But what you find in Habakkuk is what? He says, no, you're doing this, and my prayer is that I don't miss what you're doing on the inside through these circumstances. And so he prays for revival. Let's look at this. Let's go to verse 2. He says, oh, Lord, I've heard your speech. Again, with the inward ear of the heart. Have you ever heard the voice of the Lord? Not audibly, but have you heard the voice, the still, small voice? Well, he says, I've heard you, and I've seen your report, and I'm in awe. That's really what that word means. What is the report? 
there's judgment coming. The Babylonians are coming. Righteous judgment, but still the promise of God is what? That the work of the Lord will be performed, that what the enemy intends for evil, God will still use for good. Notice the next part of verse 2. Oh, Lord, I've heard your speech. I was afraid. Look at what he prays. Oh, Lord, here it is. Revive your work in the midst of the years. This man had remembered when God's people was seeking him. He remembered that time when they were obedient and faithful, and he longed to see the people turn back to God, and he's praying, God, even in this, revive us. It's a different prayer. It's a different prayer. It's a prayer of, okay, Lord, you've got me here. I'm not going to pray that you remove me, but I pray that you do the work in me that you desire to do. I don't want to go on the field trip twice. Can I get an amen? Amen? I want to go on it once. And as I go on that field trip and you do the work in my life, I want to walk away different. Because, right, that process of sanctification never stops. And he uses all things. And so here is Habakkuk praying, okay, God, you're going to bring destruction. You're going to bring judgment. Use it to revive your people. Man, what a different prayer. Like, I hear the word revival, and I just have, like, flashbacks. I was a preacher's kid growing up uh, in South Carolina. I would go with my dad to all of his revivals which was not a good idea, by the way. I got more spankings when I went to his revivals than when I was at home because for some reason I would, I would just do crazy things. And so we would go to these revivals, and my uncle and my father, pastors, and they would preach at these revivals. And so Spanky and I, my cousin, who I went to seminary with, who was a pastor and a professor, which is weird in North Carolina. Spanky, if you're watching live stream, I'm sorry, it's just weird. They call you Dr. Spanky. That's weird. But anyway, he's one of my favorite dudes in the world. And so we would go to these revivals, and we would do different things. We'd take the batteries out of my dad's pack and out of my uncle's pack, and we'd sit on the front row and see how long it would take before they realized that their microphone wasn't working, and then we wouldn't say nothing about it. There was one time, listen to this, my uncle took my father's sermon. Like, how holy is that, right? They're sitting there on the front row. They're preaching back to back. Not by mistake, my uncle thought it would be funny to grab the sermon that my dad had prepared all week and to preach it first. So my dad is sitting on the front row three minutes into the sermon, and he freezes because he realizes that his brother is preaching the sermon that he has prepared. I watched my dad on that front row scramble, and when he got on the stage, he, he said Jesus a couple of times, and then we prayed. I don't even know what he, what, he, what he preached. So when I think of revival, I think of those things, right? And that's always not always good. When you think of revival, what is it? It's, it's something that happens on the inside of the body of Christ. Sometimes we think revival, oh, man, people are getting saved. People are coming to the Lord. No, that's the result of a revival. Revival is when God revives something that has already been alive. It's the church. Revival happens in the body of Christ. The results flow out, but revival happens when men and women get serious about who they are before the Lord. When men and women get serious about recognizing what they deserve and yet what God has given. Let's just go there. And you may be here and you're like, you know, I don't, I don't believe any of this stuff. Let's just say it's true. Let's just say there is a holy God. Let's just say there is a God that is perfect and righteous. I got a lot of gunk in my past. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, y'all ain't confirming my gunk, you're confirming your gunk, but because we all got it. And let's just say we stand before him. There's a problem there. There's an issue there. And so there's something that we all have in common. Our greatest need is what? Mercy. If all of this is true, our greatest need is mercy. 
that we stand before a God guilty. There's no question at all. We can't cover anything up. Hey, it's there. We're exposed for what we are. So ultimately, what do we need before our creator? We need mercy. Look at what he prays. Revive your work in the midst of your ears. Look at the next part of verse two. Oh, Lord, I've heard your speech. I was afraid. Revive your work in the midst of years. Look at this next part. In the midst of the years, make it known. Now watch this. Watch the connection to Christmas. Habakkuk is praying. He is longing for God to do a work that is evident, that is evident to all people, to all nations, something that is a clear act of God. Where did that take place? In Bethlehem. He is saying, God, do revive your work. Make your name known. God says, I am going to. I'm doing it now, but ultimately is leading to what? Christmas. I love this. 600 years before the birth of Christ, Habakkuk is praying for this promise. Do this. Watch this. Go now to the Song of Mary. Go to Luke 1, if you remember where that's at. Go back to Luke 1, and I want you to see what Mary prays. We need mercy, man. Every day his mercy is renewed. And mercy and grace are two different things, right? We understand that. Mercy is God not punishing us for what we deserve. Grace is God giving us the things in spite of what we deserve. Mercy is my personal deliverance from God's wrath and judgment from hell and eternal existence in hell. Grace is God extending kindness and giving me the promise of an eternal home in heaven. We need mercy. Look at what Mary prays in Luke 146. It's the song of Mary. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Look at this. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Remember how Habakkuk, or how God described the Chaldeans, the Babylonians? He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, his people, his covenant people, in remembrance of his what? We see Jesus, we see mercy. That before the foundations of the earth, think about it. It was pre-established that God would die for man. It wasn't because things got out of control. and It was all under even the authority of God. That at Genesis 3.15, God made a promise in the Garden of Eden that this is not the end. This is not the end. You think you've won. This is not the end. Watch what I do. Watch what I do. There is a promise that is coming. There is a promise that is coming. Old Testament prophets. There is a promise that is coming. Isaiah 53. There is a promise that is coming. And we move into the New Testament in a time, in a political state, in a social state, where everything was in chaos. Mercy arrived. Mercy arrived, and he took what we deserve, and he laid it upon his shoulders. Habakkuk is praying for this, that God, your will be done. I get that. Revive us, make your name known, but have mercy in your wrath. God answered his prayer. Listen to the words of Peter in 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundance, say it with me, mercy has begotten us again how to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Habakkuk says, God, I don't like it. I don't understand it. But I'm staying right here. I'm not moving. I pray you revive me. And what a prayer. Here's a question, right? Here's a question the Holy Spirit asked me all week. Am I the closest I've ever been to the Lord right now? In my walk, are you the closest you've ever been to the Lord right now in your walk? Are you the most passionate about your relationship with the Lord right now in your walk? Revive your work. There's something about how the Holy Spirit will take us even back to things, right? That he's walked with us through, right? Things that he's brought us through. And in that current moment, we got to make a choice. Do we rest in the promises that we can't see? Or do we go our own way? I tell you, man, Habakkuk, I commend this man to watch how God moved him. And we're going to see, and as he finishes out, I mean, he claims some powerful things as we go into the end of chapter 3 and even at the very end where he says, even if. But it's a man that begins with, God, are you even there? To now a man who says, I know you're there, I know you're working, I don't understand it. May you revive us, and may you make your name known. What a prayer that when we approach our stuff, not Lord, move this, not Lord, take this, Lord, revive me, Lord, do the work in me through this. You've led me to it, as we sung, there's joy in the battle because you've led me to the battle. And so, Lord, I'm not praying for you to remove it. I'm praying for you to change me through it. It's a different prayer. And now as you change me through it, what's the next step of the prayer of Habakkuk? Make your name known. I will be quick to provide testimony. I will be quick to raise the name of Jesus. And I'll walk in your mercy every day. Can I get an amen? Ah, it's a beautiful covering of Christ. I want you to see this. That from Genesis to Revelation, it's a person. It all points to what we're getting ready to celebrate, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Join with me as you stand. I don't know why I said join with me. We're going to sing or something. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. In the battle, right? There's some of you in the battle right now. You're in the battle. And you're in the fire. And you're standing at that crossroads. God's word does not return void. And so my encouragement, my challenge to you is run to truth. Run to truth because the lies will pursue you. You ain't got to run to lies. The lies will come after you naturally. Flesh, world, they'll come. Run to truth. And as we wait in that place like a back, man, I'm not going to move, Lord. I know what you said. I believe it. I don't see it yet. So I'll wait on you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before you in this place this morning, and Lord, I pray, first and foremost, that if there's one here, Lord, who has never professed Christ as their Savior, Lord, that is a work that only you can do in the heart of an individual. And so, Lord, even right now in the quietness of this place, as we stand before you individually, Lord, I pray right now, if there's one here that you're stirring and drawing, Lord, they're standing at a crossroads right now. So, Lord, I pray that you give them strength to profess faith. Maybe not understanding it all, none of us do, but understanding enough that I am a sinner deserving of hell, 
and I have a Savior who died so that I can go to heaven. Let's just simplify it. And so, Lord, right now in the heart of the individual, I pray, if they are stirring, if you are drawing, that they would simply cry out, no magic words, but a heart that says, Lord, I desire you, I need you, I call upon you. And Jesus, I ask you to save me. I believe and profess faith that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again. I put faith in that. As your word says, for by grace we are saved through faith. And so, Lord, I place faith in you. And, Lord, I pray for those who maybe have taken that step, Lord, again, that you would and confirm. And, Lord, appoint relationships there. Lord, to the believers in this place, Lord, we're in, we're in a battle every day. We recognize that. May we recognize that. That every day is a battle. We know that the war has been won. We're walking in victory. But the attacks are heavy. And we are weak. So, Lord, your word tells us that when we are weak, you are. Say it with me, church. You are. When we are weak, say it with me, church. You are. There are some of us here today who are weak. We are tired. We are burdened. But you are strong. So, Lord, you have not asked us to carry these things. We're called to lay them down. And so, Lord, I pray right now for believers in this place that you are calling and stirring to lay some things down. Rather than looking through the lens of their situation, may they look through the lens of who you are. It cannot change. And so, Lord, in these moments... Give us strength. And Lord, we thank you so much for those little love notes as we were talking earlier. Those little things that we hear, not with audible, but the hearing of your voice. That I got you. I see you. I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And so, Lord, right now, we profess these things before you. Whether we can see them or not, we profess these things before you. We thank you for Habakkuk, a faithful man who ran to you. Lord, may that be our testimony, that in our questions and in our struggles and in our mess, that we are found not running away, but running to. Search our hearts, stir our hearts, convict, change. We pray it, we ask it in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen.